When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors, our podcast that will tell you everything you need to know about interiors and how to make it work in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And this podcast has been sponsored by DFS. Now, it's a bit blowy, isn't it? Can you hear that wind? It's because Kate has come all the way down from London to visit me in my house in Sussex. I've left the urban sprawl <laughs> and I'm on, in the country. Let's get indoors. <laughs> oh, that's better. Out of the wind. So, right, where are we going? I want to show you the hallway. The tiles are down. <gasps> Check them out. Let me see. Oh, they do look amazing. Well, they're sort of cement tiles that I got from Claybrook and they are sort of... Well, what's really interesting, my son Arthur, who's seven, he was like, oh, mum, there's like flowers and stars and stripes. And actually, because they're quite heavily patterned, they're you really kind of crazy. You can see whatever you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> that is a beautiful blue colour. Because actually, you know me in cobalt blue. It's a bit bright for me, but oh, is this it? is a bit softer, oh. isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a bit... But you wait until you see what I'm putting on the walls, though. Where? You'll need your sunglasses up. What, there. to go with this? Yeah, really. Not doing a nice muted white no, wall really then. really deep blue walls. Don't you think that'll set it off? Um, <laughs> and then a really, really bright Roger Oates candy pink stair runner up the stairs. You lost me at stair runner. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going quite happily with the colour of the walls. Well, well, let's see, shall we? Well, you know, hallway's all about making a statement and an entrance. Well, that's you know true. That? <laughs> that's absolutely true. And I, I would be the first person to say that. And you like a jolly stair runner anyway. I what do like a jolly stair runner, runner, but I've got a jolly stair runner and quite pale walls. Now, now where are we going yeah, now? now? This is our living room. Isn't it sad? There's lots of material all yeah. over the place yeah. and two sofas. I really think the idea of a patterned sofa is great yeah. because people always have plain sofas because they think they need to spend their money sensibly and so they think they'll change it up with the cushions, which is fine, but actually you could have that really vibrant pattern on the sofa. So Linwood Fabrics have just sent me all of these. They have always done... Oh, that's the dog. I'm going to have to let her in. Oh, OK. Well, I can talk about this fabric, actually, because one or two of them are quite hurting my eyes. I will say this. Now, she's not listening. There's one which is salmon and coral and pale pink and teal and navy in quite a geometric pattern. I'm going to hide that one <laughs> while she's not looking. I'm just... Hi! Hello, Lucy. This is lovely. I was just going to make the point that if you do go for a really vibrant pattern on your sofa, which I think is a good idea. You can either take the Sophie route and then really maximalist, maximalist it up again. There's a good sentence with patterned cushions as well. Or you can take it down with plain colours, which is what I would do. And then the sofa would still really stand out. Yeah, so no, too so I can't quite believe I'm saying this, but don't be afraid of the print. Be afraid of that one. Oh, I've got rid that? of that one. Oh, the, the loud geometric one. That's quite loud. I know, but just a little, it's a like... A very small cushion. Interestingly enough, I remember, I think DFS said that people on average change their sofa every seven years. So I've only got to love it for seven years and then we'll do something else. OK, fair enough. Fair point. That's how I can justify what? it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. 
Right, now we're finally settled down in my rather magnolia dilapidated living room. What are we going to talk about today? First up, I just want to say that this podcast has been sponsored by DFS. We worked with DFS a couple of months ago and were amazed to discover that one in four sofas sold in the UK is from DFS. Amazing fact. Amazing fact. And I'm sure we've got loads more coming up. So what are we going to talk about first? First of all, we are going to be talking this episode about the changing seasons. The clocks have changed, the winter is here. So we're going to have a little look at what you can do to make your home feel cosy for the winter and freshen it up for the spring, that sort of thing. And we're carrying on with the room planning series. So this week we're moving into the bedroom. The master bedroom, one of my favourites. But I think we're going to kick off, aren't we, with one of my favourite topics, colour psychology. And Mm. how this very interesting framework can help you design your home with ease, I'd like to say. It's a funny thing, the colour psychology, because... The rational part of my brain just wants to dismiss this as a load of hooey. (laughs) But but I I do think it's really fascinating. And I did actually include a chapter on it in the book because I can't quite dismiss it. In your Mad About the House book. When I was researching it, I was told about a woman who got divorced and painted her house green. And it was all about a new, fresh start. And apparently it was absolutely great for a while. And then she started to feel really miserable and that her life wasn't moving forward. She wasn't doing what she wanted. The point this colour psychologist told me, it was because if you think about green, the green ponds is a sign of stagnation. There's that idea, which which is the bit I find really interesting, that there's a positive and a negative for every colour. So green is, yes, the colour of spring and new life bursting forth, but you need to change and move with it or it becomes stagnant. Part of me thinks that's absolutely fascinating. And part of me thinks she just wants us to redecorate all the time, which I'm not against necessarily. But so I I can't decide. Well, I think the big message for me around colour psychology and, you know, just to fill people in on what even is that, I mean, essentially the, the framework that I use on the workshops that I run is a framework that was um, established by a psychologist, like a proper clever academic person, not one of us fluffy clever person. Yeah, a proper clever person <laughs> called Angela Wright. And she obviously was fascinated by people and their psychology, but she was also really fascinated by colour. And she grew up in a hotel and noticed that the guests who stayed in the yellow bedroom always had a bit of a rubbish night's sleep and were a bit grumpy in the mornings. Really? And actually the pale pink bedroom was the one that people wanted to book out the most. And that kind of started her whole inquisitive mind into what is it? What is it about colour that can make us feel a certain way? That's really interesting because I came across a piece of research on the pale pink that I think they did a trial in Swedish prisons and they painted some of the rooms in a pale pink and worked out that prisoners calmed down, I think it was on average 15 minutes more quickly in a pale pink room than in rooms that were other colours. So so then you hear that and you think, oh, there's clearly something in that. Yeah, and I think because these proper clever people have... (laughs) studied it in a very scientific way, like you say, on how it affects people's behaviour, that it's really important that we know a little bit about it, I think. But I think the other thing that studying colour psychology has helped me a lot with my own project is it's helped me sort of come up with a colour palette. But how does that work practically? I mean, are you saying that because different colours are going to provoke different reactions, does that mean all the colours are going to naturally go because of the colours you're drawn to, depending on your personality? There's two elements to it. There are 
how individual colours, broad stroke, make you feel. So, you know, pink is loving and relaxing. So we Green, go for a sort of broad brush no, pink and yeah, then you and refine then yellow's it. uplifting and yeah. happy, red's aggressive, blue's calm. You know, there's that very small part of colour psychology. And then there's the whole sort of harmonious colour palette element. And what Angela, with all her work with colourists, worked out very cleverly is that you create a harmonious colour palette. And as soon as you put the wrong colour in there, like black, that's why I've got such a bone of contention with black, because it can just set the whole scheme off. So it's knowing about harmonious colour palettes that therefore just make a space feel together. But so I completely, that makes sense to me now why you would take issue with black, but you wouldn't take issue perhaps then within your colour palette of one very dark colour or an element of a very dark colour, be that charcoal or plain chocolate or uh, dark green. It's more about the idea of having an element of a dark dark rounding colour. Yeah, which is very much an interior design tip, isn't it? And I suppose colour psychology would help, you know, is it black or is it charcoal? You know, what is your dark accent that's going to go with all your other colours? So I think that's really interesting. I... I suppose have skimmed over the top of this and I'm much more I like I like that fancy that fact. I'm all watercooler <laughs> facts. So, you know, the Victorians thought blue kept flies away. So oh. they often painted their kitchens blue. It became a colour of hygiene for them for that reason. What I remember about blue as well is it's an appetite suppressant. I've heard that. Yeah. Apparently, if you put your food on blue plates, Doesn't you lose loads of weight. <laughs> yeah. Well, have a blue fridge. Here's a fact for you, because the, the meaning of colour changes in different countries. You react to colour, I think, in a cultural way, as much as whether you're drawn to it because you like it. So in China, white is the colour of mourning, which I think we all know. But what I didn't know, what I discovered recently was that because white is the colour of mourning, they drink mostly only red wine. And apparently in China, they drink more red wine than any other country apart from America and almost no white wine. So that's affected the whole global beverage industry. I think it's really fun, especially if you're stuck for a scheme and you're just like, oh, you know, what colour should it be? You know, oranges, yellows, reds, all those lovely earthy colours, brilliant for the digestion, so lovely for kitchens and dining rooms. It's just about finding a starting point, isn't it? And we talked before about if you don't know where to start with a colour, look in your wardrobe. You know, many people don't need to do that because they know the colour they want already. So it's just for those who are perhaps completely stuck. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big headline thing from it all is is looking at colour and colour scheming. And not thinking about the look all the time. Like we just get so obsessed. Oh, I want it to look like this. I want it to look like that. Yeah. You know, we come back to this all the time, don't we? Actually, how do you want the room to feel? And if that's important, then you kind of need to know the psychology of colour. So, for example, you know, pink is such a brilliant colour for bedrooms, bathroom spaces like that. It's really flattering on the skin. Of all skin tones and all skin types, that, you know, the pink spectrum just makes you look fabulous, especially. You well, know, didn't. Coco Chanel always painted her bathrooms in a sort of blush pink colour, yeah. didn't she? Because it was most flattering for So, you know, skin. again, yeah. if you're struggling to get your husband to agree to that pink bedroom scheme you've got on the boil, you just tell him it's going to make you look fabulous. But don't tell him it's going to make him look fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas yellow makes the skin look really sallow. But it's supposed to be a very cheerful colour, isn't it? It's meant to be great for kitchens, yellow. Yeah, or hallways, front doors. I mean, for me, it's one of my most favourite colours, but I would never use it as a wall colour. I find that too energised. I do not need to be energised, do I? I've got enough no, that's true. going yes. on. So Let's I would never... the calming, the calming, <laughs> calming blue blues. and pink. Yeah. Never put yellow on the walls, but I 100% have little dots of it all through my house because I find it cheerful and optimistic. 
stick. I can't think of a single yellow thing in my no, house. yellow's not for you. But then there would be a mustard or a turmeric colour oh, for yes. you somewhere, wouldn't Back there? But not that sunshine yellow that I love. I can't do that sunshine yellow at all. Or primrose yellow, that kind mm. of lemony. Oh, I can't, I can't, you see, that so makes you me know, agitated. You know your colour palette. And that's yes. what's so interesting with colour psychology is there is a colour for everybody. You've just got to know the right tone of that colour. And, you know, that's what's so incredibly fascinating. Right then, let's go on with the show. I've now got my trusty assistant, Lucy the dog, half on my lap. The warmest cushion. The warmest breathing cushion you can imagine. (laughs) So we were going to talk about changing your house with the seasons, which is something that I think Scandinavian people do all the time. I... Mind, Lucy. (laughs) I wrote a piece for the Financial Times a couple of years ago. Of course I did, darling. (laughs) And I interviewed a lot of Danish people and they were slightly baffled by the idea that we wouldn't change the interior, the soft furnishings a bit with the seasons. And I'm, I'm not sure it's something we have a tradition of in this country. So they would automatically change a dark heavy rug for a light one they would have at this time of year be adding knitted cushions and velvet heavy cushions so that you get different more wintry cozier textiles and then in the summer or spring they'd swap them out for linen or cotton so it's when you think about it, completely logical. I don't know why we don't do it. And also it stops you getting bored, crucially. Yeah, I think we're doing it more. I mean, interestingly, we used to do it. Apparently the Victorians always had two sets of drapes, the voils or the cottons for summer, and then they'd switch them to heavy interlined velvets in the winter, but then they didn't have central heating. So there was Excuse a... Excuse pat- that rustling. That- <laughs> so Lucy's a- just having a look at my script notes. <laughs> She's have getting you, have you got a point you want to make there? I love that. She is well at home. You're getting proper VIP treatment oh, there. Oh, yes. And then my leg will go to sleep. <laughs> but no, you were saying the Victorians... Yeah, so we know used that. to That's do it. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. And we've lost the habit. It's a bit like a sort of mini redecoration, isn't it? Because... You know, you don't want to paint your walls with the season. That's too much. But actually just changing over the cushions or, you know, it's like when you buy a new top and it goes with six pairs of trousers and you suddenly feel like you've got a whole new wardrobe. Yeah. Just actually swapping over the cushions so a different feel or different colours stops you getting bored. All my blankets come out. um, Yeah. In winter, I don't have them on the sofas or the beds in summer or spring. But this time of year, I'll start bringing them out because you just need them. It's just like chilly. And I quite like this time of year when the nights are drawing in and it's getting cosy. But actually, people who do get miserable about the clocks going back and it's dark in the morning and it's dark at three o'clock in the afternoon... Actually, if you can cheer it up by refreshing the room and bringing in nice cosy throws... And you know what else? cheer you up a bit. Comfort eating. It's time for me to bring out the slow cooker and start mashing <laughs> potatoes. But it's all of it. It's the whole thing, isn't yeah. it? It's when I do my slow cooked stews and slow cooked roasts. It's the time the box sets start coming out. You know, I always look oh, forward to... I love to, a good yeah. box set. In the t- yeah, somehow it feels wrong to watch telly uh, when it's light outside. Yeah, yeah. When it's, you know, Strictly's on TV, all those yeah. kind of shows are coming on. So I think you just want to make your home feel as fabulous as you can. Yeah. I mean, for us, we're really lucky. We live... Um, near the woods we've got loads and loads of logs and kindling that we can collect from outside and so we've always got our wood burner on the go you know I sometimes like to chuck a few 
pine cones on the log fire, you know, get the smell oh, going. Oh, make a really nice smell. That's yeah. a good idea, yes. Oh, we lost um, we lost a couple of apple trees um, last year. We chopped them up and applewood smells amazing on the we fire. Had, we've got a fig tree in our garden, actually, which the first year we moved in gave us so many figs that I was walking up and down the street with bowls of figs saying to the neighbours, oh, would you like some? And then it got too big and the canopy was too much, so there was no sun. And so we had to prune it and we did it really carefully. We called in specialist advice and it's been in a strop ever since. And we've hardly had any figs, but we have been able to dry the wood and burn it. And, and that's that been actually, nice. Yeah, it's been really nice. Made a really sort yeah. of quite subtle smell. Well, but. that's it. I think it is that whole celebration of the senses, isn't it? Because I mean, I must admit, I do love a bit of a scented candle of an evening in the winter. Oh, you see, I can't, oh, oh, I think we might be coming on to a quick design crime. <laughs> it's not a design. I really struggle with scented candles. I have the scented candle cupboard of doom. What, you've got scented candles? Oh, I've got hundreds of them. People always give them to me. And people say, oh, you can re-gift them. And I say, no, I can't because everybody knows I don't like them. So it's very clearly <laughs> the thing I didn't want that I'm giving you. But someone gave me one, which was pumpkin and ginger and it just smells like pudding oh. I don't want to smell pudding all the time no I do like a fig candle yeah I, yeah but the, I don't like all those Christmassy ones no no I don't like any of the synthetic ones I mean I quite like anything that's used with natural oils like Neil's Yard's one of my favorite they do some quite nice room sprays as well that I use around Christmas time that's why I have to have a real tree at Christmas as well because I need that smell of the pine cones in the house I just love it so last episode we asked you guys to send in your tips on how you make your home feel cosy for autumn and winter and we got loads and loads of brilliant replies so pixie kp this is what she had to say probably not very fashionable but i love to get out the fairy lights no i think that's really interesting i've got a friend who does that and i accused her of putting up the christmas decorations really early and she said that because it's so dark and miserable outside that a you need a bit more light at this time of year and b you know it just makes a pretty nice glow and when she explained it that way i suddenly thought that's brilliant i need to be doing that as well so i i think that's a really I nice think way a to really do it really good yeah. one and like you say they can be put in a big vase or a jar or a dish. Sometimes if they're draped around the room and they're not on, they look really messy and stringy. Quite a lot of people actually have said cushions. This is from Flat by the Tracks. I've got my spring summer cushions and my autumn winter cushions. Am I weird? She wants to know. She's so organised and I'm just lost in admiration because yeah. we've just talked about it. But that's very much, you know, do as I say, not as I do, because I'm probably not going to do it. But she's doing it. She's doing Respect. it. Respect. So here we've got Joyce Allen Textiles. She wrote in, say, throw baskets, ready to grab, to snuggle up when watching Netflix on the sofa. Oh, oh that's it. I feel cosier already. Yeah. That's a really but nice idea. Stick them idea. in a basket because they can look well messy, all scattered around the sofa. So to roll them up and also brings in a bit of different colour. Yeah. And the other thing is you can have maybe a in December only, let's say, some sparkly cushions or bring in a bit of sequin or glitter or something that you might just want for a short period of time, which is just really fun. Bring it out for a few weeks over the holiday period and then put it away again. And that's kind of a signifier. So my grandmother used to move the furniture around 
she would push the sofa back against the wall and the idea was that it was because there might be family coming to stay oh, or there nice. were more guests. It signified but that the, the house was going to be open yeah. to other people. And I would come home from school and you would know then the sofa's moved. It's and coming. She, it's coming. And she had this white armchair, which was very upright, covered in a heavy white brocade. And obviously no one was allowed to sit on that apart from my great-grandmother. And it lived in the corner sort of behind a table so that no one could get near it because there were dogs and everything. And then at Christmas, this chair would move to the sort of matriarchal position. And with it, your great-grandmother. Yes, the only time they brought her out as well. Quite a terrifying (laughs) woman. Um, But she was the only person who was allowed to sit in that chair. And in fact, whoever sat in it. I need a chair like that. Yes. my chair. The Sophie chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're summing up seasonal changing. It's mostly about textiles, isn't it? Yeah. And scents. Scent, I think, is a really big one because I think in summer I associate that with opening the doors, letting the fresh air in. Don't do that so much in winter. So, yeah, think of all the senses, but don't forget the sense of smell. So coming up, we've got how to decorate your bedroom. But before that, possibly my favourite segment of the podcast, <laughs> it's Design Crimes. Oh, What have you got for me uh, this time, Kate? Well, I mean, I, I hope I'm not going to offend you at this point. Oh, on the you basis so are, that aren't you? you- haven't decorated your house but you've got some quite fancy ceiling work going on upstairs haven't you you're not supposed to have gone a little bit of artex (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes i've got a whippy artex ceiling looks like a 1980s wedding cake so let's just you will explain this better than me what is artex for anyone who doesn't know it's like a sort of really glossy plaster finish that's applied to walls or ceilings and before it goes off the plasterer has a right old merry time doing lots of nice whippy design textured detailing with it it's purely a decorative thing because the other thing i think that would fall into many people's design crimes is wood chip wallpaper now i'm actually a big fan of the more decorative anaglypta but that wood chip which is lots of little bits of wood splinters yeah it looks like porridge on the wall and actually that was done for a practical reason, wasn't it? Which well, was like, because your plaster was cracked yeah. or live, falling apart. It's like a girdle for houses. Yeah, it was sticking the house back together. Um, I mean, we've actually got wood chip on our bedroom ceiling and we've never taken it down because we thought, first of all, it would pull the whole ceiling down and it would be a th- several thousand pounds to replace the ceiling. And also, actually, because we both wear glasses, we can't see it when we're in bed. <laughs> so there it stays. But obviously, I was wearing my glasses when I went into your bedroom and saw yes. the artex. And so I'll that tell was you what, without, decorative. without your glasses, you'd see it. It's a very, yeah, it's a very definite look. Now, when this house was renovated by the previous owners, they did it in the 80s, when everyone was having a right old merry time of it. We've got rid of a lot, I can tell you, in the two years we've been here. We just haven't got around to that particular ceiling yet. They had it on the walls. They had it on the ceiling. They had fake red brick slips going up the stairs. We're slowly chipping away at it, getting rid of it one ceiling at a time. So that's my design crime. Have you got one for us? Oh, my God. I will literally (laughs) jump on that and get it down that design crime room on and one. It's so hideous. So for me, um, the design crime I'm going to share with you this week is ceiling recess downlighters. That's everybody's house. (laughs) Oh, once again, Sophie jumps in and alienates every single listener. Well, or, as I like to call it, builder's acne. 
Oh so my God, this, like is, this is basically, obviously, recessed ceiling down lighters are really valuable. And you'll notice I have them in my own home. But it's the complete kind of blanket grid work of just shoving loads of them in. So when the lights are on, you feel like you're in a McDonald's drive through It's just like so bright the other and thing, indiscriminate. There's just light everywhere flooding the space. The other thing I've noticed, and I spoke to a lighting expert about this uh, from John Cullen Lighting, and she said that builders are obsessed with giving you that symmetrical grid. Mm. So you end up with probably too many, but also, as you say, they're all symmetrical. And you don't need them to be symmetrical. You need them to be where you need the light. And the idea is, if they're installed properly, you should just feel that the room is light enough for you to do what you want to do. And you shouldn't be looking up at the ceiling and seeing where the lights are. Yeah, no, because exactly. I mean, they're, they're spotlights, they're there to highlight an area. I think the problem is, is when developers are doing it properties, they don't actually necessarily know where people are going to position their furniture. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is if you're renovating your home yourself, you need to do a floor pan, work out where your sofas, where's your coffee table, where's the dining table, where are the worktops going, whatever room you're dealing with, and then position the downlighters to highlight that yeah. specific area. Um, but, you know, even my own electricians who I've worked with loads, when I was getting them to do my kitchen and I was telling them exactly, oh no, but that's then that one's not in line with yes, that one. absolutely. <laughs> I'm really struggling. I would also say, I'll go one step further, I think they're fine if well-positioned in kitchens and bathrooms. I really don't like them in sitting rooms. What, in the grid? Or dining oh, what, rooms. Oh, at all? At all. Down lighters I at don't all. want downlighters in my sitting room. I think, you know, you want soft table lamps, possibly an overhead light, but not spotlights or downlighters in that room. It's not the right place for them. If you need to thread a needle, go in the kitchen. <laughs> So moving swiftly on, if anybody's left, hi, we're sorry if we You're upset you. You're very confident that people are making it to the end of our podcast, <laughs> are you? You're just relieved that we might have one listener left. Well, hello and hello, Susan in Reading. It's great <laughs> to have you with us. Now, we're going to talk about planning the bedroom, the next in our room planning series. So we've talked about kitchens and bathrooms. Now we're on to the bedroom. And actually, this is the one room Lucy's just dug her yeah, elbow yeah, into my a bit of a sneeze, didn't she? Ow! <laughs> um, the bedroom is the one room actually where I would start with colour. And quite often I would say, choose the colour at the end of the scheme because that's the easiest thing to change. But when it comes to the bedroom, I think you need to decide really early on if you're going light or dark. Are you a night owl and you want it all cosy for going in there in the evenings? Or are you a lark and you need it light and bright to get you up in the morning? And I look at pictures of dark bedrooms and I think they look beautiful and I love them. And I think you have certainly had a dark bedroom. Yeah, all my bedrooms have been dark. But yeah. it doesn't work for me because I like being cosy in the bedroom and I like reading a book at night, but I need something lighter to get me up in the morning. And if my bedroom was dark blue, just would never get out of bed. I don't want to. But dark you've actually bedroom. got the best of both worlds, and I think this is really clever. So your um, the headboard in your bedroom is this very deep forest rich green velvet set against a very dark forest green wall, and then the rest of the spaces are very light. I think it's like a pale grey or something, isn't it? Because you're yet to find your perfect pink. But it's it's essentially a light space. So you've got the light and dark before anybody starts jumping up and down about feature walls. That dark oh, wall oh, what's, behind what's, my what's this about feature wall? <laughs> it's not. It's what? a cupboard. It's a feature cupboard. <laughs> Um, what we've done in the bedroom is built a false wall behind which we've got all the clothes rails and that's where all the clothes are stored. So, so your bed's essentially in the middle of the room, isn't it? Essentially in the middle of the room with a sort of false wall behind it. So that helps false me keep it tidy. feature. 
It's mm. not a feature wall. Might be a feature <laughs> cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is painted a different colour. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So you come into the room and you see it. And because it's not a full wall going all the way across, it's not a feature wall. Oh, my God, say. you're so pedantic. You're not letting it, me Just have because it, it doesn't... All right, I've got one wall that's a different colour from the other walls in my bedroom, and I like it. <laughs> no, it's a really good idea. And I think as well in bedrooms that we want to be quite restful... My love of colour and jazzy pattern and print, I like to put it on the headboard and on the wall behind the headboard. So again, I can enjoy it in the day, but when I'm in bed, I'm not staring yeah. at loads of crazy pattern. However, I do think you still need to think about what you look at while you're lying in bed. I see a lot of designers forget about this altogether and quite often put all the pictures or the paintings or the nice stuff on the other walls. And actually, it's really nice to lie in bed and either have a nice view to your garden hmm. or look at a nice painting. at the end of our bed? So many years ago, uh, my husband used to edit a column in The Independent that was written for him by Tracy Emin, the artist. And as a present one year, she gave him a line drawing she'd done of Kate Moss. Oh, I was going to say he got off lightly then. Because it could have been a lot worse. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, so you end, get to look at Kate Moss naked at yeah. the end of your bed. So, And he said, oh, this will be great. Let's hang it here. I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. So every morning I wake up looking at the world's greatest supermodel stark <laughs> naked at the end of my bed, which is a really fabulous confidence-boosting way Maybe to start Maybe that's the day. why you can't get up in the morning. That would make me want to close my eyes. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> so um, we talked a lot already about lighting, haven't we, in this podcast? But again, I think it's quite a crucial one in the bedroom. Dimmer Dimmers switches, yeah. all the way. I really like to see really large, oversized lamps either side of the bed. I think it really creates a lovely focal point and statement. But if you haven't got room, wall lights, even or little pendant even, lights. Yes, pendant lights can be great. If you haven't got room for a bedside table, then you can hang pendant lights down from the ceiling. So you could have them wired in or you can get those cables with two outlets so you can take it from a central pendant light and, and string drape it across the ceiling with a cup hook to with hang the down either side of the um, bed. flex, obviously, not your yes. white plastic flex. And if you, if you can do it from the beginning, then it's great to add an extra switch so you can switch them without getting out of bed. bed yeah. But if you can't, then you can just create that decorative effect. Do you want to sit or down, you can Lucy? have um, you can put a switch within the flex, you know, as you would on a light, yes, on a lamp. Yes, that's a good idea. Um, I was going to also talk, when it comes to planning the bedroom, about how you use the space. Because quite often people who are doing a big refurb want to include an ensuite. But what I often see is that people... Try and carve out enough space for a tiny ensuite, but they might still have quite a, a lot of bedroom left. That's exactly what we've got going on. Massive bedroom, and then the pair of us are like in a tiny crawling bathroom. over each other to get ready yeah. in the morning in the tiny ensuite. And yeah. actually, if you can knock the walls down or build a false wall, a bigger bathroom will always feel more hotel, more luxury, mm. more enjoyable, and more of a pleasure to use. And then you only need a much smaller space for your bed the bit yeah. you're sleeping in so I want to get your uh, opinions on bed linen I think this is a big thing and can make a massive difference in a bedroom I used to be somebody who just would always only have white bed linen yeah, and nothing you're still that but I've Do moved you know yes. on to colour so I did this really lovely collaboration with Secret Linen store and I 
got to design my own range of bed linen. And for me, it made me really realise that pattern, I'm just not, even though I love pattern, just not there quite. Part of my range was this amazing, rich, deep cobalt blue, almost like Eve's Klein blue linen, mm. which, you know, linen really soaks up and saturates the colour. And that's just amazing colour to sleep in, to be immersed by this kind of richness. That's really interesting because my husband is really feels quite strongly about only white bed linen oh. and that's what we have so I try and put maybe a coloured throw and some cushions and that drives him wild <laughs> <laughs> oh we've got all these cushions on the bed he can't bear it he likes it quite zen so I always like to have two really large 60 centimetre cushions on the bed I think lots of little decorative pillows is Everyone knows that's a nonsense. That's just irritating. The Americans love yeah. it, but you know, seriously, I'm not picking those up off the floor. But I like them because when I'm reading a book or having a cup of tea in bed, nice big fat cushion. So that really works for me. And then I also just think just styling up little moments around your bedroom, just the bedside table is a lovely opportunity to have scented candle. <laughs> Seriously, I love are you not terrified <laughs> that you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, fling an arm out and knock the oh. candle onto the floor? My bedside table has a clock radio on it and my Kindle. A clock radio? How very old-fashioned. Is that very old-fashioned? Well, I just use I my love phone my clock radio. to wake me up. In well, the no, I have that on the floor, face down, yes. so there's no blue light. And I have my Kindle on the bedside table and my clock radio and that is it. That sounds very utilitarian. I've got... Um, no, it's not utilitarian. It's zen and calming and relaxing. I'm going to paint a much prettier picture. So I've got my fabulous... She's got uh, flowers. I've got fresh candles. flowers from the garden. I've got a candle. I've got a couple of favourite novels. My phone, actually, even though I use it as an alarm, it's on airplane. It's switched off. And I we have also... quite a strict rule about that in the bedroom. Oh, we don't. No phones. Um, I should also make the point that we have wall lights above the bed, so I don't need to have a lamp on the yeah. bedside table. I think it comes back oh, to Oh, I've got another it? good one. Sorry, I forgot this one. This is a good one. And I know you're going to like it. Really massive, huge floor rugs in a bedroom. So large that you can sit the bed on them you know rather than yeah. just like a little rug at the foot of the bed or I little rugs either side of the bed I can't rug at the foot of the bed no, you, or either side you don't side. like little, little rugs I anywhere. don't like little rugs I always say buy the largest rug you can afford but you're absolutely right there's something really luxurious about a massive rug and if you've got all that pattern that's under the hold bed hold on what's the doggy tank here around she's bored isn't she she's just being like a toddler <laughs> There, Sophie. There will just be a short interlude. Because we've put everything out in the conservatory and put the floor down. I think she's found some dog treats in her coat pocket. Will you just leave it alone? She won't. Oh my god! Right, where were we? No, wait a minute. Lucy's after your. So we huge rugs. Also, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? It's like got to think about what it feels like under the feet. So yes. I could never have sort of sea grass or reclaimed boards or anything like that. I'd like to have if it's not fitted carpet, a really big rug to feel beautiful as you step out of bed in the morning. Yes. So that's all for this episode. Don't forget, next time we are live. 
Thanks once again for DFS for sponsoring this podcast. And thanks also to our lovely producer, Kate Taylor, and also to you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And we'll see you in the great indoors. Bye. Bye.